Hello, welcome to Mikey Pod. This is episode 198. Today is November 13th. Yep, November 13th, 2015. I just made it sound like I was asking someone. I wasn't. Uh, today's guest is Ryan Rummery. Oh, I should add what this podcast is. You know, I've got two more episodes until I like, I'm going to narrow this thing down. Or maybe not. Like, I sort of enjoy doing this podcast the way I do, where um, the guests in general are creative people who are making stuff. And I, that's enough, isn't it? Yeah. So I'm closing in on 200 episodes. That's pretty awesome. I would think so. Uh, my guest today is Ryan Rummery. He's a fantastic drummer, composer, producer. If you heard my album, Tentative Armor, you heard some of his drumming on uh, the track uh, Invocation. Uh, you can check that out at michaelherron.com. And uh, that's one of the other things that happens on this podcast. I talk about my process as an artist, and I'm in the midst of uh, starting a show. I've already started writing the show that's going to be uh, produced at... Dixon Place here in New York City next October, toward the end. I don't have the dates right here, but you got time. Uh, they're on my website. Uh, yeah, so it'll be a three-night run of this show, which is yet to be named. I'm spending the year volunteering at Tamerlane Farm Animal Sanctuary in uh, Montague, New Jersey, and writing about that experience and my experience with animals throughout my life. And uh, there's a lot that remains to be seen about the show for you and for me. But I'm super excited this week has been, uh, I've been sort of floundering for the past couple of weeks. Um, part of what happens, and I wrote about this some, uh, it's on my drip page, <laughs> drip.com slash Michael Heron. Uh, I think that's the last thing I'm going to uh, self-promote, except that I'm going to add, if you'd like to check that page out, it is a subscription service. It's five bucks a month. But uh, if you want to just check it out, you can go in and download um, pretty much anything I've ever released. And there's one special release that's only available within that drip. Um, I will give you a free month. Just sign up for my email list uh, or send me a message, whatever. Uh, Michael Heron, uh, Michael at michaelheron.com. That'd be great. MikeyPod at gmail.com. All the things. Contact me. Oh, before I get too much into anything else, I do still have some of these LO t-shirts i've got a bunch of them and i'm trying to give them away and no one is trying to get them i don't know what if that speaks um something about me the podcast or about elo itself i'm a fan of elo i remain a fan of elo and i remain a fan of giving you t-shirts <laughs> so i would love it if you like this you know you could do any type of thing that is telling people about this podcast. You could um, make a review on iTunes. You could tweet about it. You could write about it on Facebook. You could write a blog post. Really, whatever you want to do. Let me know that you did that and give me your address, and I will uh, send you... Uh, there are actually three different designs I have of these shirts, and I would love to give some of them away. They are sitting here. And uh, yeah, so, so many things to tell you. Things are going great with the show. Um, it's so early in the process, but just this week, I finally had sort of a, a moment of clarity about how, how to approach writing this show. Um, having the deadline sort of looming is keeping me in action. I have a couple of other deadlines too. I'm on the Our Hen House podcast once a month and talking to them about my process and sharing works, pieces of um, the show that are in creation. And uh, I'm doing updates on the drip page I mentioned earlier once a week. 
um, talking about my process. There's going to be a reading of uh, the work <laughs> in progress at Judson Memorial Church. So anyway, what I'm saying is I have all these deadlines that are keeping me moving, even though I'm feeling uh, at times sort of lost and extremely doubtful of my ability to write another show. <laughs> I still sort of don't believe that I did the previous one. And uh, so those things are great and they keep me moving. And I had like a, an awakening. I do a lot of my work in Ableton Live and, and I've been working with a mountain of samples that I took, like recordings from the farm of animal sounds and mostly animal sounds this time around. And, and I finally created this really cool thing with uh, the turkey voice. You can, it's on my SoundCloud page uh, if you want to check it out or I'll be, there's another version of it that'll be on our hen house. Anyway, the, the point is, oh, I am figuring it out. <laughs> and I feel super excited about that right now. Um, that's my check-in for you. Let's listen to a track from Ryan's album. Uh, the album, by the way, is called Riverside. Uh, links are on MikeyPod.com. And uh, this track is called Lockdown. And after this, we'll hear from Ryan. Welcome to the show, Ryan Rummery. He is a musician, composer, and sound designer. His primary instruments are drum set, hand, and mallet percussion, piano, and guitar. And he's just released a album called Riverside um, that we're going to talk about. And we just heard some music from. Welcome to the show, Ryan. Thanks for taking the time to be on the show. 
You're very welcome. I'm glad to be here. Thanks. Uh, I should. I also need to add that Ryan is also my friend. Oh. Yes. <laughs> Above all else. Uh, so yeah. So you've got this new album out. It just came out. Am I? I'm right on that, right? Yeah. It just. It. You know. It's. It started as a theater piece from the show between Riverside and Crazy, and that that started. Um, to actually two summers ago, it's weird to say, but I just got the album out last week because I needed to do a lot of like remixing on it. Sometimes for theater, you know, the pieces can be, you know, the length of the pieces can be small. And I had like, I always start with fully realized pieces, you know, when I do a theater piece, but I don't go through, you know, the arduous process of mixing it. And then, you know, then sending it off to get mastered and do all that. And I was fitting it in, you know, between so many other projects. So it just took time to, to get it out, but I got it done, which was a, a, a relief and also a lot of joy because it's been a project that I really loved working on. It's a great, uh, album i have admittedly listened to it only a couple of times uh this morning Um, thanks yeah but it's awesome i like the diversity and the different sounds that are happening but it still feels cohesive uh it's really good yeah i'm i'm happy with it because it's like i i really love piano and piano is in a lot of my music and i always i'm always trying different ways to use it you know i'm trying i'm trying to put like heavier grooves with piano that normally you know wouldn't always be with the piano and trying to do different, you know, layerings with it because I'm not a good piano player. So sometimes I have to do three takes or something, you know, that could take one person, one take, you know, but I'm, I'm always fine trying to find new things. And, and I have a, an, an older Yamaha upright that has a dampening pedal that it sounds so good to use the dampening pedal so much of the time. So it was kind of fun to you know, experiment with that sound versus a non-dampening pedal sound on a lot of the cases. Yeah. Um, let's talk about Lockdown before I forget, since we just listened to it at the beginning yeah. of the show. Um, uh, I always feel like this is such a broad question, but tell me yeah. about that song. <laughs> well, it's, I mean, the the song, this, all the music, you know, like I said, becomes from between Riverside and Crazy, and I when I first read it, you know, approaching anything that you're, you're writing for, whether it be film or theater, you know, I, I always have a, a, a first reaction and I felt like the play had a hip hop quality, but also the quality of an old piano that you would find in someone's living room, you know, that, that isn't played a lot, but still has a lot of character in history. And so lockdown in and actually all the tracks which is really funny i read the play and the first thing i did is i as i did a really daring thing as i played a bunch of drum grooves without a click track to start just with drum grooves and and you know that and lockdown was like one of the i think i had like 10 of them and then i weeded them out and then i put them into then i put them into live and then and then played uh you know, the piano along with it. But I'm also very moved by a lot of Philip Glass's music. And, you know, so there was a little bit of like imitation, you know, in lockdown that kind of like goes a little bit back to Philip Glass, but also like really, really taking, because those are all, they're all real drums on the album and really making those drums have this amazing hip hop, you know, dirty old school sound uh, to them and then kind of molding the acoustic quality of the piano and then the drums which is very acoustic but really 
doing a lot of sound, just messing around with them and live to get them this kind of hip hop sort of heavy punch sound to them that and then and then the other and then the other pieces, you know, the the other parts to it just kind of fell together. But really it's the track was thinking first about the drums and then about the piano, which was weird because a lot of times people would think the rhythm would be last, you know, but the rhythm usually starts with me first because the drums are the easiest instrument for me to play. Yeah. Uh, this is probably going to get too geeky, but we'll just go there for a second. No problem. <laughs> Do you have, um, like it goes like when you're talking about with your drums, yeah. like getting that like hip hoppy kind of a, sort of a, I'm, I'm interpreting punchy. I think that's my word, not yours. Yeah. Um, yeah. do you have like go-to effects or, uh, uh, engineering you do? You know, I, I, I love running drums through guitar amps and, and doing a lot of reamping through guitar amps. I did not do reamping on the drums, but I ran them. I ran, I basically record drums a very simple way. I have a, an, a can, an old cam one eighty four. And I have an Audex D6, so I use one overhead and one kick drum, and I run. I ran the kick drum through an amp, but then EQ'd it in such a way so I was still getting a little bit of the snare, and then I and then I just really crunched the overhead mic. Um, so then you know the the lower impact actually was run through a bass amp in um, uh, in live, and I just did a lot of affecting with it. You know, just solo the bass drum track first, so that gets sounding good, and then I start to slowly eke in the overhead mic, you know, till I like it because I st- I just wanted it to have almost too much bass drum impact to it. You know, without it being without it taking over the whole track, because the piano itself, you know, you have to be very careful of how you're treating drums with piano because it could it could just take it, you know, take the track over, and then there's just a little sort of uh, like I have a Casio tone here at the at the studio, and that's some of the longer you know synth lines. But I'm it's basically all analog, you know. There's there and there's there's really no MIDI action happening on that album, which is kind of cool. Yeah, it's funny when you were talking about um, you started with drums. I like because of the way that I work, I immediately was like, oh, like I imagine like drum samples. I was like, oh yeah, yeah you're a drummer. Yeah, yeah. how exciting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and it's like you know sometimes you're right. You know, I do sometimes start if I'm if I'm doing like a film piece with samples to get me started. You know what I mean? Like I feel like with the writing process, it's like I I you it's like you need something that like cradles you a little bit. You know what I mean? Instead of just like so you don't feel so alone when you're just starting something. It's like, and I didn't know where any of the drum things went. I just had like these different grooves that I felt after reading something, you know, about, you know, how I reacted to the text and how I reacted to something. And it was like, this is, this is where I need to be moving or this drum groove feels like it's good for this. And then put them away for a little bit and didn't worry about where they went and how they would be orchestrated out, you know? Yeah. Um, I surprisingly start with rhythms a lot too. I feel like for the same reasons, it just kind of gives you, I think I'm like, a closeted wannabe drummer <laughs> a, yeah. and um because i really like feel drawn to like setting things up and giving it that like i did you was cradle the word you used like something that like like kind of carries you through the rest yeah. of the process it keeps like it's a i don't know I, I feel like it's you know it's like a it's like a really when you're young it's like a, a really good internship you know where you're you're learning something within it but you're you have people 
holding you so you don't so you don't totally mess up. You're not out in the world by yourself, but it's like it's nice to have like a a backbone when you when I start writing something melodic, you know. And like I feel like you know like with piano like I'm not a great piano player. I I work at it. You know, I would never play in front of anyone, but I I play on stuff in the studio and play on my own things, but you know, the click can be such a boring friend, you know, and to have to have drums you know, and I think a lot in, in fours and eights and just my drum phrasing. And a lot of time, even when I'm playing a drum groove, I'm kind of thinking of something minor, minorly melodic in my brain, you know, when I'm playing a drum groove. It's not just like, I'm a drummer, here's my groove. You know, I'm yeah. thinking of something, you know, a, a lot of those, a lot, I mean, I looped phrases and stuff, but a lot of the phrases turned out to be pretty musical, which surprised me because I was thinking of some sort of melodic gesture when I was playing the drums. I mean, drums are, are I mean, it's a grooved bass instrument, but I, I'm, I think very melodically how I'm phrasing and how I'm playing. It's not just like, here's my, here is my pattern and, and this, I'm sticking to it, you know, and I'm, I, I kind of like to, to flow a little bit more. And that was the crazy thing of like relying on internal time and, you know, one of the reasons why it took so long to get it released is like, you know, we were, when it came to mix and, you know, the guy that was mixing, Bill Flynn, who's this awesome guy and you know, there was no click to anything. So it took a lot of time when we wanted to do edits, you know, cause you had to, if we had to punch different things and change things, you know, there was no click to it, you know? Oh and, yeah. Yeah. Which makes editing, you know, it, the process just takes longer, but it all, I mean, the album has a weird ebb and flow to it. It's, you know, it's, it's not perfect and, and there's no, there isn't click track on anything. The, 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 the piano interlude, that piece, which is just piano, I had to put a click to that because it was so slow, you know, like, right. Cause I, I started off playing just those piano chords, but otherwise all the drum stuff was like, I wanted it to feel really organic. And then, build the piano around something that was organic instead of something that was just like married. We're like at 138 BPM and this is it. You know, I, I wanted it to, to flow a little bit. So, um, so that's, you know, that, that is an, like a, a lesson learned. I was like, I need to like not do that again, but still try to have the same flow of not having the click. But that was super tough to deal with, you know, and I'm sure, you know, you, it scratches your brain too, thinking about, getting to the post-production point of it, like, wow, there's no click here and we have to figure a lot of things out, you know? Yeah, yeah, it's really... Uh, I worked on a song for someone that I wound up not ever finishing because he went a different direction with it, but yeah. we recorded just piano, guitar, and him singing. We just recorded yeah. that live. And yeah. then I wanted to go in and add some electronics and, like, drum loops and stuff like that, yeah. and it was a bitch... Yeah, it's <laughs> like I or we like or there was a place where we strayed from the click. I think that's what that what I was dealing with. And even with that, yeah. I mean, I went in Ableton and I sort of warped some things and sort of brought things yeah. to the beat, which felt yeah. like cheating. A and then <laughs> B, it still was hard. It was, was still hard to like make it work. So I can't imagine like no click. Oh, at it's, all. yeah, it's tough because, you know, like when when Bill was mixing it, you know, like a lot of the times, you know, in software you want to set like tape delays or whatever up to a BPM or you want to have like the the verb or something connected to a BPM and the BPM I mean you don't really sit at the album and go oh he's really rushing through that or dragging you know but it's like it has enough flow to it that that you know like when you start putting software plugins to it you know 
the the verb can get a little, it, and also like the the delay can get a little, it can get a little dicey sometimes. You know, you have to do a lot of. Ma- we did a lot of like manual, and also I did like manual like clicking. You know, instead of setting the like the tape delay to the BPM, you know, I would we'd sit, I'd sit there and actually hand tap it in. You know, and then sometimes print something you know, like a drum track or something while I'm physically, you know, hitting the delay. So it sounded like it was really, you know, molding with the track instead of letting the BPM, you know, take you through where you, where you need to go. So, but it was also one of my, you know, I did the drums like two summers ago and that's exactly when I started using live. So I wasn't as, I wasn't as smart with using live how I am now. You know, I've, I felt like I've grown in two years and how to use it. And I would, I would go back and probably put the drums to a, a, a click, you know, and then not use a click, you know, anywhere else and then keep track of where the BPM was of all those drums. But that's, you know, how I did it and that's how it works. So, and I'm still ha- very happy with it. It was just, like I'm saying, from a technical standpoint, really tough to mix. Yeah, yeah. Ah, awesome. I'm curious. We talked before uh, I started recording. Uh, you mentioned that you had started making an effort to wake up earlier. And it, it makes me curious about like your um, if you have any sort of ritual or just habits about uh, composing and working on music. Well, I really love I really love the beginning of the day and I really love before. I think waking up earlier is a is a mechanism to have my time to before anyone emails me or needs something. You know, I do a lot of work with uh, West Coast people, and it even gets a bigger jump on them. But there's nothing better than you know waking up, not saying anything to anyone, and actually listening to a mix or listening to something that I worked on the day before. And I feel like something that takes me an hour to do or two hours to do after four o'clock, my perspective is so much more honest in the morning, you know, it's like, and I, and I love, I love writing, um, at that time as well too, you know, and then like literally the middle of the day is weird. And then at the, and then at the end of the day feels like the other, other time, uh, when I want to write and I love tracking at the beginning of the day because I just, I just feel like my muscles and my body, especially for drums, just, I just feel better, you know, like I haven't, I, there's no wear and tear on me through the day. And, you know, drumming is, is such an impact sport, you know, and I just feel like my body performs better in the, in the morning to do that. So that's generally when I do a lot of my, you know, really hard brain and physical activity. And then the middle of the day tends to be more email or like booking travel or, you know, making phone calls and, you know, you know, structuring it like that. And then when I get all that energy out of the way and then the sun starts to set, I'm able to kind of loop back around to something I've started at the beginning of the day. Um, Cause I find it very important to have like to have the time where someone hasn't given their energy to me yet. You know what I mean? Like I can just do what I want to do, you know, not be affected by someone's energy in their email or text or whatever, or social media or anything like that. Yeah. That's kind of cool. Often like I, I love having these conversations cause I always take something away from it. There's yeah. just in terms of my own work as a composer, artist, whatever. Um, and I often am like, okay, I got to get these things. Like in the morning, I'll be like, I'm going to go through my email and blah, blah, blah. So I have like a f- clean slate yeah. for writing. But I like your approach. Like if I 
if I wake up early and just write, no one's going to be looking for email for me at yeah. like 10 o'clock instead yeah. of like seven o'clock or whatever. No, so, it's uh, great. It's great. It's really great. I mean, energy is such a weird thing. Like you, you get an email and whether it be positive or negative, it's, it's energy, you know, and it's energy that will affect how you, for how you work, you know, it's, and a lot of the times, you know, the energy that we get from emails is generally not good energy, you know, and then that, that, that puts your mind into like this, this combative mode, I feel like of, of like, well, I have to, I have to deal with this logistic thing right now. And like, you know, writing and being an artist and, you know, logisticalities don't usually mesh very well together. There's such different compartments in my brain. Like I can focus on them, but I need like a little time to like ease into that world and to ease out of it. I can't, I'm not one of those people that can really be writing and tracking and then snap into like, oh, I'm very articulate on this email about something technical that someone needs done with a mix or something or whatever, you know? So I just have to be, I think it's just like you get older and you become more protective of, of yourself, you know, and, and energy. I think, I mean, I'm saying energy much more as I, as I get older and, um, energy is super important and it's everywhere. You know, you get it from even just walking down on the street from, you can get energy good or bad from people as well too, you know? So I'm just, I'm just guarded of that when I'm working on a really important project I find. Yeah. Uh, I love, oh, I love these conversations. Yeah, they're good. They're good. <laughs> Sweet. Let's talk about um, another track on the album that we're going to listen to. Let's do, let's do uh, our bonus track. <laughs> let's do yes. Say. Um, yes. We'll listen to the track Say from your, uh, oh my God, I'm not looking at the name of the album and I didn't write it down. From Riverside. It's Riverside. Just River- Riverside. Yeah. yeah. Um, anything you want to tell us about Say before we listen to it? Say, I really, I actually... And in a in a weird way, it's 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 kind of my it's kind of my favorite track on the album, just because I think I was so I think I was so tickled with myself when I came up with with the groove because I'm actually using temp mallets, um, uh, and I have like this really old Ludwig snare snare drum, and I took the the snares off of it, and it just it was just this like groove that I don't know I just I and I listened to it I'm like I'm not sure how I came up with that or or why I played it or whatever you know but it was like I I I really just like where it goes and and it has these um you know like the cat the Casio tone has these long sort of um moments to it which remind me of the group air which you know I I love air and Mm -hmm. In like zero seven, you know, like I I I love the the drawn out things and and I was happy with the the piano stuff I came up with on it as as well. But it was like the, it was really the drum part that was just like I just I it was addictive to me. Like I remember when I came up with it and I and I got it like just the drum part mixed. I just I listened to it a lot. I was like I'm very moved by how this drum part works you know and was it was was really happy ab- about how it worked and then when bill finn flynn mixed it you know it just he re- he even made it come even more alive from from there and you know like i was talking about the previous track it was it's still just like the drums were so much you know of, a, of an of an influence and really got the everything moving on it how i wanted those tracks to move forward uh cool let's give it a listen great 
was Say from the album Riverside by Ryan Rummery, who I'm here talking with. Welcome again, <laughs> Ryan. Thank, thank you. So uh, you are like one of the more um, a busy producer, composer uh, people that I know, musicians. Um, I don't know this for a fact, but it seems just from my perspective that you're your living is made by being a performing creative person. Is that right? Is there like a background job happening somewhere that I don't know about? No, it's like, it's, it was kind of funny. Like I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm very thankful to the role that theater has played in my life. It's, it's kind of one of these things that has, has got me started. Um, but I, I always felt a little bit limited to just being just a sound designer pulling music, you know? And so I've really used theater by sitting in rehearsals. I've, you know, I've mixed shows and approach, approached it from a mixing, you know, musician standpoint and really moved on to things that like, you know, I looked back like five years ago, like I was like, I want to, I feel like I have a voice and a say to, to mix, you know, to make something sound better. And I feel like I have a voice to produce albums and, you know, and start, you know, with with my work because I'm producing a lot of stuff, you know, whether it be for film or whether it be for, you know, theater and, you know, also use my projects, you know, as, you know, these not like rehearsal or trying out, but like, uh, you know, an avenue into like working with other people. And now that's, you know, got me moved with working with other artists and, you know, and then, you know, not creating content for them, but I'm producing their content now. And that's all been learned and all been bolstered by me working on my own stuff. And now, um, doing a lot of like, it's, you know, for instance, when I'm, I'm working on a, a film right now, you know, I'm doing the, the mixing of, of my music and then pr- producing it as well. And like, that's really what I've been working up to doing. And that's really what I feel fill my day doing right now is it's, it's, it's really all music. And then I do have, I do have theater stuff. I, it's kind of starting to simmer down a bit. I used to do about like 30 shows a year and now it's about down to, to 20 shows a year doing theater, but it's, it's starting to be a lot more focused on, on music, my music, other people's music, listening to what other composers are doing, you know, doing mixing, doing producing and like thinking about like the whole the whole sphere of music. Like I used to just think like just theater and listen to just what theater was doing. But now I really want to listen to what everyone's doing. And then seeing how my theater experience can go into my music experience and see how my music experience can go into my theater experience. And I feel like it's just made me such a stronger artist. And I feel like I have more to say and more to bring to projects than just talking about like a, a dog or barking off stage in a, a thunderclap <laughs> or something. Right. You know, it's, I really just wanted, I, I'm just one of those people. I always want more, you know, I always want to be doing more and learning more. Like I never want to stop learning ever. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in what everyone's doing and how they're doing it. And I, and you know, it's sometimes it's tough for me to go to sleep at night. Cause I'm always like, I'm always listening to different things and thinking, how'd they do that? And what was their approach? And did it, you know, like that's, uh, that's a big conversation in my brain that happens a lot. Uh, that's really cool though. Like, uh, it, I mean, it comes out in the work that you make, right? Like you can hear 
that uh, that that you have a lot of influences. You know that that you Certainly. draw from a lot, like a multitude of places. It seems anyway. I mean, yes. yeah, you're you're right. It does, and some and sometimes you know, like all you know, like Riverside is 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 very rhythmic oriented. Like I've I've really gotten attached to. I have like a handful of just piano pieces that are that are just layered piano. That it's and uh, I have a film score from the summer that has some of that on that I'm going to be working on and releasing this year. But it's like, you would look at it and you go like, well, is this, is this the guy that did that, that Riverside EP, you know, because it, cause like, I do feel like it is one of my strengths and weaknesses that I have so many things that I really enjoy piano music and just hearing piano, you know, and sometimes I don't want drums, you know, but I, I definitely don't have like the quintessential. Oh, that has to be a Ryan Rumry piece sound, you know. And yeah, and from a marketing standpoint, because that's actually my major in college, which always kind of keeps you know pinging on my brain. I'm like, it's like you're branding yourself. Are you there, Mister Rumry? And I'm like, yeah, I know, you know, uh, you know. But I just I love so many things, and I I want to, you know, and I still haven't found that exact, you know, like thing that I should be doing. I'm doing things and writing things because I want to be doing them. And if I write just a piano piece, I'm doing it because I want to do it, you know? Um, and that's sort of my approach with it. Yeah. Um, that's, uh, as a theater artist though, like as writing for theater, that, that is a great signature to have, right? That you can be flexible and create, you know, all different sounds. It, it really is. And, you know, there's, there's some wonderful things that, that happen with it. There's also some very limiting things that, that, that happen with it. You know, a lot of new plays right now are, are written more in a filmic way. So you have, you might have a challenge of like, you know, 33 or 35 scenes and they're like, you know, seven to 10 seconds. And so, you know, you think like, well, that's easy. And, you know, sometimes writing the smaller things are tougher. And then, then you have, you know, plays that, you know, that are done, like I'm working on uh, a score for uh, Nora at the Cherry Lane. And right now, you know, it's more experimental production. So I'm, I'm scoring some scenes, you know, whether it's ambient or it's, it's actually more of a piano score. And, then that really interests me because you know the music is really is really shaping the scene but a lot of times what i'm i'm finding is um you know the role for music in in theater it's really just based on what the text is for the play cuz really the text and same thing with film it's like that's what you're supporting you know it's like the music is not in the forefront you know the text and the music have to work together and the, that's why theater's been so great to really teach me text and how does text work with music and how does rhythm work with text you know as well you know and and how do all those things play together and 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 have its own role together which is really pretty cool uh awesome awesome yes uh, yes all right we need to wrap this thing up great um thanks so much for talking to me where can we find you on the interwebs you can find Riverside is on Bandcamp. Um, it's actually really only on Bandcamp. I'm a big believer in, in uh, Bandcamp. Um, I'm also just at um, RyanRumery.com, which that can launch you into other 
rabbit holes on my website of different things I'm working on and, you know, other albums I've produced or played on or whatever. But uh, Bandcamp really is a good representation of what I've done and what I'm working on. There's, I also have SoundCloud too. I'm, I'm on SoundCloud, but those are always little, like little snippets and things that I have that I just like to have out there as well too. So those are really the, the three places where I am found on the internet. I will put, <laughs> put links to all that stuff on MikeyPod.com. So if you're listening awesome. to this and you don't have a pen or pencil, uh, you can always just go to MikeyPod.com and, uh, click a link. Great. Um, Great. Thanks so much for joining me today. This was a great conversation. I'm really excited about it. Very welcome. Thank you for having me.
from his latest album, Riverside, that was Ryan Rumry with the piano interlude. You heard Ryan Rumry himself before that. We forgot to say what song we were about to listen to, but now you know. Um, check out the whole album. It's, as we mentioned before, it's on his Bandcamp page. Uh, you can find links to his website and all the, all the vital information you'll need at MikeyPod.com. I don't think we mentioned that Ryan is actually a pretty active Twitter-er, so I'll be sure to put a link to his Twitter account uh, on MikeyPod.com. Don't forget, I have these t-shirts to give away. Any token effort to share this podcast will win you a t-shirt. Just let me know. I'll be happy to send you one, and I'll be happy to have them off my shelf. I don't know what it is with you people, but just I got a t-shirt for you. Whoever, like, you will be the first person (laughs) because no one has done it yet. So please feel free to... uh, win a t-shirt and tell your friends. Uh, Thanks so much for this podcast. I hope you like it. Um, If you do, please leave a review on iTunes or uh, Google Play Store is about to have podcasts. It's not up there yet, but I'm all set up and ready to go for when they do. Um, So Stitcher, any of the places where you listen to podcasts, um, if you could put a review and a five-star rating or four or whatever you want, put a one-star rating. I don't care. Well, actually I do, but... um, if that's the, your truth, then I I recognize that in you, and I and I acknowledge your truth that you hate me. I'm not sure why you'd be listening this far into the podcast, though, unless you're like me and you listen and look at things that make you angry sometimes, <laughs> just for the sake of being angry and hating someone. <laughs> it's called hate stalking, and I'm really good at it. That's a whole separate topic for a whole separate show. Um, My guest next week will be cellist slash rocker slash super awesome meditator, I discovered, uh, Noah Huffield. His name, I still feel like I'm saying it wrong. I was saying Hofield forever, and it's Huffield. Huffield. I I got it right, he said several times during the podcast, probably to the point of annoyance, I asked him (laughs) if I was saying the name right. Um, MikeyPod.com is where you can find all of the other podcasts. Search, search for me in Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play soon. Um, everywhere, everywhere you can find me. Um, MichaelHeron.com is for information about my work. Uh, you can listen to samples. You can listen to the entire album from that website if you want my last album. Um, on my Bandcamp page, there's lots to download. There's stuff everywhere. My YouTube channel, I just did a vlog um, of a visit to the farm. All of these things. Subscribe to my uh, newsletter and I'll send you a link to join my drip for free for 30 days. You can download free stuff and join in the conversation that's happening there. That's a lot of talking. Thank you. If the only thing you do is listen this far into this podcast, I appreciate you being um, a consumer of the things that I create. Um, I like doing this stuff and it means a lot to me that there's someone on the other end receiving it. So thank you and good day.